What up, young world? What up, young world? Welcome to Savon's Legendary Podcast. This is, um, <clears throat> it's going to be the Detroit edition, okay? I lived a lot of places. Uh, Detroit is where I, like, uh, cut my teeth, uh, specifically Mount Clemens, Michigan, just northeast of the city of Detroit, Michigan, the murder mitten, the mitten. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> so I'm a Detroit MC. You know what I'm saying? So much talent uh, in Detroit over the years. Um, you know, you really don't know exactly how much talent Detroit has until you like go to other places. And a lot of other places have a lot of talent. But as far as high caliber uh, variety of talent from dance to hip hop to singing to writing to production, um, Detroit is seriously overlooked. Um, and I got a, I got a bunch of serious uh, experiences uh, in my time in Michigan and Detroit and Mount Clemens. Um, you know, just so y'all know, uh, there's a lot of MCs in Detroit, man. I want to shout out a few here. Um, shout out to Almighty Dreadnoughts. These are like legendary crews and solo artists almighty dreadnoughts um the fat killers miss corona uh purple gang which i'll get into in a moment um who else quest mccody uh ray king gordy uh john drama myself um geez i know i'm forgetting a ton of people um of course you got the big stars like eminem and um you know um Kid Rock and you know on the hip hop side I won't get into the oh you know like the R and B shit like you know Anita Baker and Aaliyah and Motown and all of those I won't do that but <clears throat> I'll just tell a story about and probably two people notice first of all I can't go any further without saying rest in peace Big Proof from the group D12 which Eminem is a part of that uh, group okay. Dirty dozen. I remember, you know, me and Proof became cool. Just he was cool with everybody. First of all, Proof, big Proof, uh, was like the unofficial mayor of Detroit. Everybody loved this guy. Most people loved him, and I don't mean Detroit people. I mean people from around the world. Buster Rhymes, like every, like everyone loved this this guy. Um, you know, you know, people from Tribe Called Quest, from the Roots Band, and, and very much beyond. Uh, he was just a seriously likable guy. And the reason he was so likable um, is because he was honest. If he didn't like you, you knew it. If he liked you, you knew it. And there's something romantic about transparency uh, that people gravitate to. Uh, so we became cool just me being on the scene. I was always a solo artist, but I remember, and not many people know this. This is, I, I didn't speak on this for you. I've never spoke on this. And, um, I feel like it's time. So, uh, everything I'm about to say is 100% the honest truth on my dad. Rest in peace, my dad. So I remember, um, <clears throat> I wanted proof to do a intro for a mixtape I was doing and we was downtown at some club. I want to say state theater or something like that. 
and um, right there on the spot, I had a little recorder, and he did it, and he mispronounced my name. He said uh, seven, <laughs> and I didn't correct him. <laughs> I was just happy to get the drop. But <clears throat> I remember him calling me one time, and I'm telling you, people around him probably didn't know this. There's one individual I know that know this. But uh, so he calls me, and he says, uh, I say, I want you to come by the studio, which I've never been to. Um, ended up being the address of his mother's home. Uh, and in the basement, he had this studio. We recorded music and wrote and all that type of thing. So I go there and we go down to the basement and um, he asked me to play him some stuff. And of course, I brought some music and I played him. He was like, yo, that shit is fire. Like, I didn't know you were this dope. And I said, well, you know, I kind of keep to myself. You know what I mean? But he says, listen, I want to tell you about an idea I got for a group and I said okay well okay and so he said I got this idea um, about this group called the Purple Gang now a lot of people probably don't know what the Purple Gang is outside of Proof's idea the Purple Gang is a notorious uh, like a gang gang in real life like the Mafia uh, and they called themselves the Purple Gang many years ago um, I don't know if that's where he got the idea from or not but that's the idea he had. He said, I got an idea. Um, I got a new label I'm doing called Iron Fist. Um, I think that uh, maybe Interscope gave him the the uh, the budget to do his own label after su the success of D12 and with Shady Records and Eminem and all of those type of things. So he says, and I want you to be the first artist in Purple Gang. And I said, hey, man, listen, P. I seriously, seriously appreciate it, man. I really do. But honestly, I'm a solo artist, my dude. Like I, I like I, I'm a, I'm a, I've always been a solo artist, and I'm not really interested. I was, you know, very much younger. Not saying I would have did anything different, but I, was, you know, I was very much younger. I said I'm really not interested in in being part of a group. He said, "You sure, man? Cause you fire, man. You can write and everything." I said, "Well, I'll think about it." You know, I, I don't I didn't want to give him a solid, straightforward. No, I said, look, just give me some time. Now, in my head, I, I wasn't fucking with it. I wasn't fucking with it. But so some time goes by and uh, I got a show at the Roseville Theater. And uh, I get there and one of Proof's close associates, uh, many people thought he was Proof security. He was definitely a big tough guy goes by the name of firstborn. If you're in the hip hop scene in Detroit, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Now, firstborn was a rapper too. big guy, six, three, two, a lot, 200 in a lot piled. <laughs> Excuse me. Big guy. Really funny guy, nice guy, but can be very menacing if he has to be. Um, so I'm, I'm doing this show and I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my rain man, which means I got my headphones on. I'm going over my lyrics, going over the songs. I'm about to hit the stage in maybe 20 minutes or so. So somebody gets me and says, Hey, listen, first is out in the lobby. You want to talk to you? I said, well, I can't, right. I'm about to hit the stage. They said, no, you, 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 you go see him, please. So I rush out to the lobby of this theater and first me, he don't like me. 
let's let's let me, I'm gonna put this in context. Firstborn does not like Savon at all. I don't know why. I didn't I, I didn't necessarily I didn't necessarily have a problem with him, uh, except the fact that he was a fucking bully. Okay, I don't like bullies. And so I didn't have a problem with him as a person. I just had a problem with him trying to intimidate me. I can't speak for nobody else. So <clears throat> this guy, this bully, is 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 you know in the lobby waiting on me. Big guy. And he says, Hey, listen, so proof wants you to be in Purple Gang. I was like, Yeah, I know. I met with him and you know, I'm, I I let him know I'm not interested. I got a show to do. I got to go. But I, I thank you. But I'm not interested. He was like, no, nah, nigga. Proof wants you in purple gang, my nigga. Like. Very threatening. It was obvious that it was trying to strong arm. I said, first, I don't got time for this shit, my dude. I do not have time for this bullshit. I got a show to do. He's like, yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to see you. <laughs> So I go do the show and I never joined Purple Gang, but a lot of people did. A bunch of artists did. And uh, it was going to be the start of a new movement for, for Proof in Detroit. Um, but that really kind of solidified me not being interested because I'm like, if this is one of the main communicado guys, uh, that's going to be a part of this. And he's approaching me like this. I really don't want to be fucking involved because we going to butt heads and we going to fight or worse. Cause I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies. I seek out the bully. I don't like bullies. So, um, there's another incident where I think I had just moved to Atlanta. I'm not sure. This was some years ago. And I uh, flew in Detroit, and some of these same people that I previously named Detroit MCs was having a show. So I, I wasn't performing. I was like, well, let me just go. I'm in town. Go support. And lo and behold, Firstborn is there. And, he, uh, and I'm smoking a cigar. I always smoke cigars. Well, almost always. And uh, he says, yo, let me holler at you. So I'm like, all right, follow me. So he takes me down to this basement of this venue, this dirty, dark, moldy, humid basement. And I'm smoking my cigar. And there's one or two dudes already down there. And they kind of like get around me. And he's like, man, I don't like you, Savon. And this and that. Now I'm in a dirty, dark, musty basement. With a big 6'3", in the lot guy who's already, you know, fancies himself a fucking bully. And very intimidating manner just lets me know how you feel about me. And and it's almost begging for pushback so he can have a reason to do something to me. And he's like, uh, you always smoking a cigar. It look, you look, it look like you got a dick in your mouth. And I'm laughing. It, it boils my blood even now. I'm laughing about it, but it, it really fucking boils. Because where I'm from, I, don't, I can't speak of no other guy. But where I'm from, you say some shit like that to a, a grown man, it's fighting off top. It's no, that's what, the, that's what the verbiage is for. It's to initiate that. 
I also understood where I was. It was his whole crew upstairs, two of them in the basement. It's one way in and one way out in the stairs position. And I need to get out of this situation because it can go real bad. And I know me too. And it would be like trying to kill somebody trying to get out of there. So <clears throat> I said, first, I'm not doing this. You're not getting me like this. I'm out. And I just kind of bullied my way up the stairs and, and I ended up leaving. Uh, but, um, you know, Proof kept this guy around. He was extremely loyal, extremely loyal. And he's a rapper. You know, he wasn't a very good rapper at all, but he was extremely loyal. And I respect that. Um, but yeah, a lot of people didn't know that I, from what Proof tells me, I was the first guy that he <clears throat> invited into to be in his new rap crew that was on an independent label that was going to be uh, distributed by a major label. So, uh, I, and, and it was crazy because I had to like make a decision. It wasn't no paperwork, wasn't no lawyers, wasn't none of that shit. Uh, it's crazy, man. You know, speaking of proof, <clears throat> speaking of proof, it was a very volatile time back then. Uh, one of the reasons it was volatile is because there was this ongoing feud between my guy, uh, Royster 5911. Sorry about the technical uh, difficulty. I'm not sure what's going on. But uh, once again, I was friends with Royce and I was friends with P. And they had an ongoing feud. <clears throat> It was pretty public. Um, Royster Five Nine actually took me on my first like tour. We did high schools and we did some shows in Canada, but um, it was pretty. It was pretty public, and I remember that Royce was doing a radio interview at the big radio station. I believe it was W J L ninety seven point nine W J L B in uh, Detroit, one of the biggest stations in Detroit. And he's on there live, and they got asked about the beef, and he said, if any of them D D12 niggas want, want to do something, I'm going to be at this venue tonight. Like, he told them where he's going to be. Now, I didn't think much of it, but I go there, <clears throat> and it was a friend of mine um, named Claire at the bar. So I go sit down next to her and I was like, Hey, you know, you know, it's a place where people do open mics and live performances. So it was one of those type of things. Now, back then we had the two way pages, the Motorola time ports, the flip joints. And I remember I was sitting there and I think I either hit Royce or he hit me on a two way. And, um, he asked me if P was there or if anyone was there. And I'm like, nah. But then I saw undercover cops come in there. And then I saw P walk in with like seven, eight dudes. And they all got big coats on. And where I'm from, uh, when you do that, it probably means you got weapons on you. And so I'm like, Royce, you know, don't come in here. 
It's undercover cops, you know, in here. P just walked in with a whole bunch of dudes. Don't do it. And he like, I don't give a fuck. We parked around the corner deep, which means they probably had, you know, I know I travel with Royce in Detroit with everybody. And he come, you know, five, six, seven, eight trucks deep. And he said, we around the corner. I'm like, oh, my God. So then one of Proof's official bodyguards see, knows me and he knows Claire. And he come up to us is like, yo, y'all need to leave. He like, he's going down. Y'all need to leave. Man, me and Claire hightailed it out of there so fast. But unfortunately, one of Royce's guys was there. I don't know if he knew about what was going on or knew P was, I don't know. But he was one of Royce's guys. And he goes outside to try to leave or whatever. However he got outside, I'm not, I'm not clear on that. Man, Proof, and I don't know if Proof did it, but I know his guys. Man, they stomped this dude next to a fire hydrant on the corner. So crazy. It had to be 10, 12 dudes on one guy. And I mean, they stomped this, this boy crazy. And I was like, fuck. Now, the dude, <clears throat> from what I understand, didn't get seriously injured. And that was the thing. Like, y'all had 10, 12 dudes on one dude, and y'all didn't even injure him. You know, all this type of thing. And it's crazy. And it's so sad because that type of behavior and the mindset that we as young black men, all, we all, a lot of us come from, especially in the crab in the barrel city like Detroit, because it is that. But it's, Detroit's not the only place that's like that. But it's so much talent and so much consciousness and gifts that we have in the people there. It's just crazy. And it's just sad to me that, you know, we all kind of succumbed to our environment. And, you know, once again, rest in peace, he was murdered at a hole in the wall bar, I believe on eight mile or something like that. <clears throat> and I mean, apparently from the story I have, uh, he got in a, a verbal altercation is spilt outside. The guy that was, he was in the verbal altercation with pulled the gun on proof first then Proof had a gun on him. And I don't know how, but the other guy ended up getting shot. But the, one of the security guys there was the guy's brother. And I think that is the guy who killed, shot and killed Proof. Don't quote me. I might have the story wrong. This is just how I understand it. Um, but it's just a tragedy because Proof was such a good guy. Trust me, he, he could flip a switch, though and go ape shit. He could, but but all of us could. He wasn't alone in that. I know I could. And it's just sad and um you know how it just makes me think of how Makai Pfeiffer played proof in the movie 8 Mile with the dreads kind of with B Rabbit or Eminem. That was actually proof that he was playing cuz proof used to have dreads like that. I don't know why proof was in the movies. Maybe someone else can explain that part, but I was an actual extra in the movie Eight Mile. I can I can be seen a couple of times in the movie. Uh, specifically, you can see Young Savon in the scene where Eminem battles the rapper Lotto. I was supposed to be in Eminem's rival gang called the Free World. 
Uh, shout out to my man Jason, who was an AD, which is assistant director, put me in the spot where I could actually be seen. Uh, I dropped out of college to be in. I dropped out of Wayne State University. I had a basketball scholarship there and everything. I dropped out to be an extra in the movie Eight Mile because of the scheduling conflicts. I couldn't do both. It was crazy. Um, rest in pre- rest in peace, Brittany Murphy. Uh, me and her got cool on the set of Eight Mile. I didn't know who she was at all. Um, I remember Jason put me on a cue marker. Uh, in place of another extra that was sick or couldn't make it or something like that. So he says, hey, listen, just be in this spot. Boom, boom, boom. I look up. Brittany Murphy is right next to me. And she's like, oh, you know, are you a rapper too? I was like, yeah. She's like, a lot of rappers in this movie. She didn't know that almost every extra in the whole movie was Detroit rappers. And, um, you know, we're talking. She's like, I would love to hear some of your music. I was like, hey, I would love to send you some, blah, 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 whatever. And she's like, I remember she said, hold on, wait a minute, give me one quick second. I said, okay, cool. Now we're both on our markers. And all of a sudden, all of these makeup people and hair people and stylists is just, you know, she's doing a duck face like. And they're doing her makeup and her hair and making sure she's straight for the scene or whatever. And then they leave and she's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. I was like, wow. This is my first introduction to anything, television or movies or anything. This is, yeah, I think this is year 2000 or something like that. And uh, we go back to talking, and it was just a great conversation. And later on, I found out who she was. I was like, wow, we had a great conversation. It was, it was kind of cool. Um, I remember an incident. It was my first, um, it was my first, I think, show that was my show, where I was the headliner. Uh, my man, uh, Jay Black, put the show on with me. And there was just a venue in uh, Clinton Township, right in the suburbs of Detroit. And I was so excited. I had a uh, an investor that, you know, made sure I was straight with clothes and whatever money and whatever needed to be done and all of these type of things. And then Proof was my guy at the time, but he had a beef with a Detroit rapper called named E-Dub. Now, E-Dub had, at this point recently, went on the air and was just disrespecting Eminem. This white boy this, this white boy that, crack it this, crack it that, black folks should do this, why are we letting him be the leader of the city, and dot, 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 and boom, boom, boom. Now, E-Dub is definitely entitled to his opinion. But when you take your opinion, which is could be private, and you make it permanently public, uh, people might have issue. Proof was one of those people. Man, listen. Proof told me he wanted to come. Now, at the time, I think um, E-Dub was either signed to Motown or signed to MCA, major record label. Um. But in proof wanted to come to my show and I'm like well P I don't, I don't know if that's a good idea because I know y'all got beef and E-Dub is opening for me I'm letting them open for me and he gonna be there I know you gonna be there with man sure as I'm dark skinned you know E-Dub shows up and I tell him out of respect like listen proof said he coming okay so I don't want nobody to catch you off guard proof told me he's coming so now you know. E-Dub shows up with about 10 dudes, all with big coats on. 
I can't let nobody with guns into the venue. And, I, and I'm aware that they have guns. I can't let nobody do that for liability's sake. He's like, yo, I ain't, we, ain't, we ain't taking our guns off, ain't going no back, taking them back to the car, none of that. So I talked to the manager and had them allowed in through the kitchen, the back door. So all his people, he come perform. I tell proof, you know, proof's like, I don't want to fuck, out of respect for you, say I don't want to come and fucking show up because if I see him, I'm, I'm, it's going to be fucked up. So out of respect for me, proof didn't come. And he told me that. It was, it was just such a crazy, turmoilous time in Detroit and especially for hip-hop in the streets. Um, I remember doing a show with Lloyd Banks uh, from G-Unit uh, at Royal Oak Music Theater. Some um, um, some guys from Dearborn are really close to him and they in this kind of the Shady Records family. And they pay me to do the show. They buy my clothes and all as I do the show. And, you know, they want to introduce me to Eminem. And so, but me and him already knew each other, but not officially. So we all meet up at a strip club in Dearborn, Michigan. And uh, it's me, the two guys, which is the promoter of the show. Um, I think they were foreign. Like, there wasn't Albanian. They were... Uh, I forget. Anyways, it was we had this big half moon booth in the strip club, and it was me, those two guys, um, Paul Rosenberg, who was Eminem's manager, M, and then myself. And I was sitting next to M, and M had like four big, enormous linebacker security guards. I mean, they they wasn't sitting with us; they were standing around the booth. I mean, enormous. So me and Em is sitting there talking about my music and we're talking about his music. And I was like, well, what what else you got coming up, you know, in the pipeline besides music? He said, well, I got all these scripts that they want me to read for and, you know, try to put me in a movie. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to do it. But and then finally, he's like, hold on one second. Say he whispers over to Paul Rosenberg, which is on the other side of him. And I don't know what he whispered to him, but he said, hold on, uh, say, let me out. So I move out the way. And he gets out and his security, like, there's this long hallway, right? And one of the security guys stands in front of the entrance to the this long hallway that Eminem is going down. Another guy goes into the bathroom at the, in the hallway and waits for the last person to um, leave out of the bathroom. And then he's inside the bathroom. And then another guy stands next to the door of the bathroom. It's this huge presidential security detail just because Eminem had to piss. He comes back. I get out. I let him back in the booth. And I'm like, damn, Em, what the fuck is all that? He was like, man, I had to pee. I was like, all that? He was like, and I'll never forget these words. He says, Savon, you're better off than I am. I said, stop the madness. Stop the bullshit, M. You're a multi-super millionaire, just retardedly famous. You can't miss. He was like, I can't even take a shit. He said, I can't take a shit in Greenland. They know me in Greenland. I'm in a prison. And M always felt like that. He's Eminem is very um, 
he's very uh, he's an introvert. He has a close inner circle. If he fuck with you and you're close to him, he's the funniest prankster clown guy you ever cracks jokes, plays pranks on you, dying laughing. But if if you're not in that inter inter sanctum, he's you would think he was mute. He's so quiet and shy. Like he's, he don't, he don't care to talk to like, not in a, I don't like you're beneath me type of way, but in a, just a shy kind of guy way, just a shy, just to himself, very introverted. And that was fascinating to me to see how someone so vocal and so public and so rich didn't want to be around humans if he didn't have to at that time. It's crazy. It really is. But um, I thought about that. He said, you know, Savon, you're better than you. You can go anywhere. You have the element of surprise. You're dope. You can do anything. I can't. I thought about that for some years after he said that to me. Man, crazy, 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 crazy. And speaking of Shady Records and Detroit MCs, um, shout out to my man, Michael Blue Williams. He's a good friend of mine. Um, I don't know how he got my number, but he found me some years ago, early 2000s, and wanted to work with me as an artist. Uh, nothing ever came from it. Thanks, Blue, for fucking nothing. Uh, but <laughs> I remember him telling me, <clears throat> just hold on, say, I got you. I'm going to focus on you right after I uh, finish this situation with this other rapper. And he was like, and he said, wait a minute. Actually, the rapper is from Detroit that I'm working with. I said, rapper from Detroit? Shit. That's you working with? And, and Blue, you know, he managed Nas and Life Jennings and CeeLo Green and a whole lot of really, really successful artists. Uh, he's, a, he's, he's one of those guys. Uh, he's one of those big guys. But um, And I said, somebody from Detroit that's a rapper that's working with Blue, and what's their name? I know him. Guaranteed. There's no way. And he says, well, the kid's name is Big Sean. I said, I don't know no goddamn Big Sean. He ain't doper than me. <laughs> I didn't realize it, but Blue was negotiating the situation for Sean to go over there with Kanye and good music. I didn't know it, but Blue managed him in that deal. Shout out to Big Sean. Um, Y'all need to go check out Big Sean's interview on Drink Champs. He addresses a lot of things that you probably don't know about him, including his turmoilous relationship with Kanye when Kanye just said on Drink Champs that Big Sean was the worst decision he's ever made, the worst signing he's ever made. That stung. And I'm not, I'm not even Big Sean, and that shit stung me. And he addresses all that shit. One of the things he said, they asked him about how he felt about what Kanye said about him. He said that he he loves Kanye, but he just feels like that was some bitch ass shit he said. And I agree because Kanye be out of his fucking noodle sometimes and he don't think. Um, 
so shout out to Big Sean, shout out to Noriega, shout out to Drink Champs. Um, I still I got a song with Noriega um, that my man EZLP got. EZLP is a super multi platinum producer. He did Lil Kim, Biggie, Shine, Memphis Bleak. He didn't. He got hits on a whole lot of people, uh, but. <clears throat> He orchestrated a situation when I was about to do a situation with Shady Records, and he put me and Nori on the record together. And I still don't got the record, but he got it. Anyways, um, so there's a lot of Detroit history in me. I got stories for fucking days. Uh, it's really crazy. If you haven't been to Detroit and you're thinking about it, rethink it. <laughs> Unless you go in there to buy land and help build up the economy there. Other than that, don't go to Detroit. It's not for it's not for people to visit, in my fucking opinion. We've come a long way in Detroit, though. Downtown is built up beautifully. We've come a long way, but we still got a long ways to fucking go to make Detroit a desirable destination for people that are not from there. And I will tell you this. Detroit people love them some fucking Detroit. I had to, I was just there and I fucking got sick. Speaking of which, excuse me uh if I didn't put out an episode last Wednesday or last Wednesday because I was under the weather. Flew Detroit, visit my mom, take care of her, see how she doing, check on her. Fucked around and I got sick. Jesus, man. Had to fly back to Atlanta a day early because I, I had a had a voiceover, a big voiceover session that I had to do for this big company, and I had to get back, and only had a couple days to get better, so I had to really get back and you know eat ginger root and t- turmeric and all of these type of things. Um, I'll do. That. I definitely want to give a special shout out to my man Royster Five Nine. I ain't talked to him in some years now, but. Um, I'm really proud of the man that Royce the Five Nine has become. Um, I would love to connect with him again uh, because I think we're very like-minded, um, even on an intellectual level. Royce the Five Nine is very intellectual. If you know anything about me, you know I'm a super thinker. We have a lot in common. So if anybody see Royce, tell him Savon is looking for him. Shout out to another unofficial mayor of Detroit, and that is my man Trick Trick. Um, Man, Trick has been protecting and upholding and up trying to uh, trying to uplift Detroit for years. And he has a high integrity level for the city of Detroit and wants the city to raise its integrity level as well. And he works very hard for the city and goes so hard for the city of Detroit. And I appreciate that. I really do. Um, yeah, man. Uh, if I forgot any... MCs from Detroit, comment below. Let me know. I, I, I'm I'm getting older. I don't remember everything. Uh, so yeah, let me know. Uh, this is Savon's legendary podcast. I just want to tell a few stories about Detroit. Eminem, D12, Royster Royster Five Nine, the movie Eight Mile. My role in it all. By the way, I never thought I, I never felt like I fed I like fit in in the hip-hop scene because those guys were freestyling and they were so fucking good and all i kept thinking while watching these guys is i can't do that and i wish i could i wish i could 
and I'm just, that wasn't my gift, but I'm a writer. Um, and so I'm a writer first, rapper second, and I didn't understand the importance of that. I didn't even know I was a, a writer first. And I mean, I can freestyle uh, when I feel like it or when I've been drinking. Uh, uh, but I used to envy those guys, man. They used to kill it. They used to kill it. Lush Lounge in Hamtramck. Uh, what's the place in uh, Pontiac? I forget. The Heat or something like that. A place called Heat. It was uh, it was a whole bunch of, it was St. Andrews. Uh, you go downstairs and you have the shelter. Uh, shout out to my man Rose Spit at Burn Rubber. Uh, if you guys is a sneaker and apparel store boutique, they have one of ones there. If you're in Detroit, look up Burn Rubber. Get yourself a pair of some super dope sneakers. And tell Rose Spit Savon sent you. This has been Savon's legendary podcast once again, the Detroit edition. Uh, I love you guys. Hope you're having a safe holiday. I hope you had got all the gifts you want. You gave all the love and gave all the thank yous that you could possibly give. Um, and as always, peace, young world.